0: Thank you for joining us for our online worship experience. We are so excited that you chose to worship with us today. Our goal is to share the gospel with our community, church family, and online viewers like you. If you live in Savannah or any of the surrounding areas, we would love to meet you at our Savannah campus at 1624 East 38th Street. Remember, resources like this are meant to be supplemental and community with other believers is very important. So get yourself to church. If you like what you see today, you can find out more by visiting citychurch.life or by clicking the link in the description below. What's up, everybody? Yeah. So So, again, welcome. Caleb's in here because my wife is traveling. So Uh, I'm a
1: substitute for his wife,
0: apparently. super. That is not how that works. Uh, No offense. Uh, No offense taken. Yeah. So uh, Carmen uh, went to Birmingham to go see family. So just on a serious note, uh, her uh, uh, sister uh, has uh, battled uh, sarcoma cancer twice, and uh, they uh, found uh, spots again. So uh, she's about to go through her third battle with this. And, of course, you know, we're all very optimistic and believing that... uh, you know everything's going to be okay. So uh, Carmen took the opportunity. Her her sister actually lives in Missouri and was coming down to Birmingham. So she took the opportunity to go to Birmingham uh, to be there and to spend some time. So uh, we gave her an out. So she's uh, going to be tra- traveling back today. So she'll be back later tonight. So uh, I asked uh, Caleb when I found this out if he would uh, step in and uh, not be my wife, but. That's good. Be, I don't want to be your wife. Be a uh, uh, one of the uh, people to help answer questions because, uh, you know, I've been traveling a little bit during this uh, previous month. And uh, Jim McClain, one of our elders, uh, and then Caleb, who uh, uh, the two of them took on teaching through the book of Ruth, which uh, I think they'll be wrapping up next week. Yeah, next week, uh, Jim McClain does chapter four
1: and he always just does an incredible job. So don't miss it.
0: So I thought with the these guys having uh, been the communicators it would be good for uh, Caleb to step in today. So So that's uh that's the skinny. Right on. So uh
2: the man behind the curtain Quinn, how are, how are you feeling? We good to move forward? <laughs> Clearly. Good morning, church.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, we're good. People,
0: give it up for Quinn, guys. Woo! Come on. Am me? I the only one clapping up for, for Quinn? Come on, Give it up people? for Quinn, Jimman. Quinn is
1: awesome. All right.
0: Yeah,
2: all right. So, um, yeah, this is our second of many uh, live podcasts to come. You submitted your questions. We're going to answer them as best we can. Also, uh, just before we get started, we do want to say that when you ask these questions, we really do take them seriously. But at the same time, some of these are simply just our opinion and how we look at it. We might not land at the same spot that you do, but that diversity of thought is what makes our church work. We can all come together under the name of Jesus and still leave friends, family, loving each other. So, I mean, because you guys did not hold back. So um, we're going to jump in again, and you'll be able to find this, uh, I believe it'll be on YouTube, it'll be on the podcast app, it'll be in a number of other places, so... Uh, If you hear something uh, that we say and you like it and you want to listen to it later or just catch it again, hear it again, uh, we'll be posting that uh, later on the other side of this. So you guys ready? Let's get right to it. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do this. All right. So we'll just jump in uh, with a question just see where this goes. So uh, someone asked about their grandfather, who's a pastor, uh, who was strongly against cremation. Uh, Because they said that person will not be raised from the dead when Jesus returns. Um, And they said that they know that the dead will be raised is written, but they can't find anything else on the topic themselves. So they're interested in, again, so their grandfather was a pastor. What are, I guess, your thoughts on
0: cremation and the resurrection? Yeah, uh, so I... We, got, we previewed these questions beforehand so that we wouldn't be in total shock. And Caleb and I were talking about this one. And, uh, uh, I mean, Caleb has some personal insight into this.
1: Yeah, uh, so, so my dad was a pastor. Um, I've uh, shared part of my story is uh, how much his death impacted me, really helped me to get my life back on track with God. Uh, and uh, we as a family made the decision to cremate him. Uh, because I I see nowhere in scripture uh, where it says anything about the state of your body uh, when you die and how that impacts what happens with eternity. Um, And so we had no qualms uh, cremating my dad. He, had, at different points in his life, had uh, basically said, you know what, it really doesn't matter what happens to my body afterwards because I'm not there anymore. And so we had peace about that. I believe that he is in heaven right now. He's waiting to uh, see the rest of us there someday. And so I... I personally see no scriptural support for, uh, you know, th- this idea that uh, cremation means that you you can't be resurrected. Because, uh, in fact, the scripture says that we will receive a new body. So it's not like that other one's important anyways.
0: Well, yeah, I think that uh, just some really practical, uh, what I would say, just... Uh, I Well, I, I want to say common sense, but I don't, also don't want to, you know... Um, seem like I'm coming across unfair to somebody's, you know, uh, perspective, um, especially when it's something that, you know, has to do with their interpretation of scripture. But, you know, you you have a lot of people who uh, throughout the, you know, span of creation that have have died in ways where their body was, you know, uh, destroyed and uh, just doesn't seem to line up with an overarching, interpretation of scripture about god's love and resurrection being taken away from somebody because they're caught in an accident uh where their body is destroyed so i would just say that you know for me uh and every one of these questions and really i my goal is in life is to look at look through the lens of scripture at at all of it and not just at a few scriptures but scripture as a whole and so I would say for, for me in this area I, I I don't land in this spot of uh, this being something that uh, God can't figure out how to overcome right. uh, uh, you know he he's going to be providing uh, you know uh, new bodies is what scripture says anyway so uh, you know I don't think it's a complication for him
2: yeah and, and what comes to mind for me as well one of the things that prompted some of these questions even uh, for myself. I did not submit this question, but uh, I've heard the same thing come up about uh, being an organ donor as well. Uh, It's caused some trouble within some people that I personally know on whether or not to choose to do that because of what could happen to their body and the resurrection. So we can rest assured that God is more than capable and powerful enough to do whatever he wants with your body when he comes. Absolutely.
0: Right on. God did take an, a, a rib from Adam. So he, he died missing a piece of him. Just saying.
2: And you can take that up with God.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, so let's keep moving forward. Uh, that's a nice starting place. Uh, this one says, uh, someone's asking, they say that they have a uh, personal relationship with God, but their spouse does not. Uh, so they're curious about how to teach their children about God uh, when they and their spouse are not on the same page uh, spiritually.
1: Uh, so, uh, Quinn, I'm going to ask you to, uh, if you can, um, I believe in First or Second Peter. Jim, maybe you remember Peter actually addresses this, and so I, I think it's a great opportunity to, to look at Scripture to help inform what we do. Um, but, but that's, first off, that's a really, really hard thing um because uh you know if, if you're in this position of uh not having a, a similar stance towards how you raise your children then obviously that needs to get sorted out um the the first thing i would say is to pray for your spouse uh whether it's uh, the husband or the wife that's not a believer i would say pray for them the power of prayer is phenomenal um when it comes to the actual raising of your children i mean you have to have some hard conversations um but I believe that, um, and Quinn, let me know if you've, when you've found that, but I, I believe that the, the best stance is to, to love them, to pray for them, um, and to follow the plan that God has laid out in Scripture. Um, and remembering that ultimately he is your authority, but um, you know, if, if you are a wife, and I spoke about this a little bit last week um, in the book of Ruth, this idea that, um, that God has set the husband as authority. And uh, whether, whether or not he is a believer, Uh, that does mean that uh, unless something he is saying goes against Scripture, ladies, I believe that that you should submit to his authority. And I know that's not an easy thing to do, um, but I I do believe that ultimately that communicates love to him. And so uh, ultimately that will, I believe, help lead him to Christ. 1 Peter 3 uh, says,
2: uh, wives, in the same way, submit to your husband." to your own husband, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives.
1: Yeah, so so there's, there's the truth from Scripture, is that when a, a husband sees a, a wife that, even though he knows that she doesn't agree, but she is willing to love him and submit to him anyways, that's going to change how he thinks. Um, I've heard all kinds of stories of uh, women who, chose to just love their husbands and submit to their leadership, regardless of whether or not they were believers, and it it changed their husbands' lives. Uh, I heard one story in particular of a a man who so hated that his wife was in church that uh, she went to a church meeting one night, came home, and the locks had been changed. She sat out on the doorstep until morning. He unlocked it, just kind of expecting her to blow up. She walks in, cooks him breakfast, and just communicating such overwhelming love. And that's wow. not easy. I, ladies, I'm not saying that's easy. But, but, I mean, can you imagine what that spoke to him? And, and then he became a believer after that because he said, okay, there is no way you are doing this on your own.
0: So what Caleb is <laughs> communicating is that there are, a, there are ways to show love. Obviously, Absolutely. you don't have to go in there and cook breakfast. No. You can... Uh, you can be upset.
1: I, I cook breakfast most of the time in our house because I'm the better breakfast cooker. Yeah, Crystal will attest to that, but she's way better
0: at everything else. So here here's just a, a, some, some other hard truths, right? Uh, the scripture gives us a really easy way to help make sure that this is limited, and that is don't marry an unbeliever. And it's really difficult to uh, have that conversation with Somebody when they're young and in love, and you say it over and over and over, and I mean, as a pastor, I've had many and I rolled, you know, uh, I've had people leave the church because I've said it, and you know, ten years later they're at the altar pleading and begging for God to make a change, and that's the right thing to do. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be that way, but you know, somehow, you know, is there? you know, a way to help younger people understand how significant and important this is in their lives. Uh, I don't know. I was actually having a conversation with Dylan just a little while back uh, where we were talking about why is it that, uh, you know, younger guys, we were specifically talking about guys, do not take good advice. They just think they're smarter than everybody else. And they will walk right into an inferno thinking yeah this ain't gonna touch me and then come out with burns and you're going hey i can help with that and they're like no i i know how to take care of myself and then they make it worse and they've got an infection and then you're like hey i've got some antibiotics i can get rid of the infection and they're like what are you what are you talking about i know exactly what i'm doing and and then finally something happens and they're like oh yeah i should have listened to you you know and I, I, I don't know how I don't know how to fix that. You know, uh, I don't know how to fix that with young people. But I can tell you that, um, uh, you know, don't marry an unbeliever. Uh, and if you are married to an unbeliever, seek God with all your heart. You know, the Scripture does talk extensively about this. And then when it comes to raising your children, uh, you've got to model it out. And, and let me just say one more thing, and that is this: as a believer. There is no way that a non-believer is going to uh, outmodel you. Uh, nobody, Nobody in the end, if you will really walk it out according to the wisdom of Scripture... If you will walk it out according to the wisdom of scripture, there's no way that uh the world around you is going to go, "Oh man, the non-god way was a better way." It just it just doesn't happen. And so be obedient to scripture, be obedient to to God and uh live that thing out in front of your children. Right on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, that's that's good stuff. I mean, that's Thank you. So uh, this is kind of coming back to maybe not the other one, but for anyone who perhaps has been in church for any length of time, uh, whether it's a Pentecostal background or uh, even more liturgical, say like a Catholic or perhaps even an Orthodox background, at some point uh, tongues has probably come up, what that means, what it's for, or does it happen? Is it real or whatever? And one of the questions uh, that came in was someone asking, uh, what is our church's stance uh, on speaking in tongues, the proper use of it, or is it for today? And they also uh, include prophecy as well. So I guess uh, what's our stance on the gifts of the Spirit? Are they for today? How do we use them?
0: And All right. Take it away. Yes. So... Uh... You know, I, I I'll I'll lead this one. I guess I'll just start off. So I grew up in a really uh, charismatic church. Uh, I say charismatic. Um, you know, tongue talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to they used to do these things. They called it a Jericho march. Oh. So the service would really be hopping, and then people would start like marching in circles around the sanctuary. You can you can YouTube this stuff. Uh, <laughs> and uh I you know here's what I'll say, and I had this conversation the other day uh i i I do not find i I do not find myself in alignment with um, uh, those that would interpret scripture that somehow uh, signs and wonders have ceased, and I also am not somebody who takes the convenience of just lumping the ones I don't like into the category of having ceased and keeping the ones that I do like. Uh, and so when, uh, when it came time for my son, Zoe, he was born and sick, dying in the hospital. You know, I didn't believe in miracles out of convenience that day. I, I believe that God shows up in signs and wonders. Uh, I do believe that uh, the church can get really hung up on these things, and uh, Paul was experiencing this in the New Testament church with uh, groups of people who were uh, hung up on really their identity resolving through some type of... uh, uh, being being tied up in the idea of like, hey, I I speak in tongues, look at me. Uh, And, you know, Paul says, you know, that it's not a bad thing that you would speak in tongues. And he talks about the fact that the purpose of this is for the unbeliever uh, when it's done corporately. And so if it's not for the benefit of the unbeliever, then I think we have right to question the intent behind it. Uh, The second thing in there is is that he talks about this idea of prophecy, and uh, he says, I would rather that you prophesy, and uh, you you have different different types of prophecy. Uh, One of those is the idea of, like, uh, foresight, you know, uh, talking about something that's yet to come or something that's hidden. But there's also uh, an a understanding of, of prophecy in scripture that is the, the idea of edification. And so, m- most, most uh, theologians, they, their idea is that what Paul's communicating is this idea of learning how to edify one another. Uh, so, the idea of prophecy being that of encouragement. Uh, and paul says you know so 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 what paul 's communicating is that you know hey i 'm i 'm happy if everybody has this like gifting here, but a more important gifting is learning how to build each other up, and uh unfortunately, you know w- whether it 's the enemy or our own flesh we pull signs and wonders and giftings of God into categories to just, we just, the church uses them to create division and hard lines where uh, we, you know, begin to say, well, you know, that's not for me, or I don't believe in that. Uh, And most of the time, people don't even really understand uh, or haven't even really taken time to look into the scriptures. So do I, so do, where does it, where does the church stand? uh, the church would stand in a place that, you know, we believe in the giftings of God. And I, I, I say this all the time. If you are in the hospital dying, I'm going to come in and pray for God to heal you. Uh, and if God wants to show up and, and speak to people in the house, some, in some certain way, you know, we're going to be receptive of that. I'll give you guys a really great illustration that I, I experienced in Bible college. I went to a really large, uh, uh, church in Springfield Missouri a little over 10,000 at the time they're even larger now and so uh the sanctuary i if i remember correctly sat 3500 maybe maybe 4000 so it was jam packed and uh been had been going to the church for a year and uh was a you know a charismatic church but not to the degree of uh uh, of anything that i had experienced when i was younger very very much like what we have in here on sunday and one day there was uh uh, somebody began to speak in tongues out loud and the uh, place got really quiet and uh then when they were done uh somebody else gave out an interpretation and then the pastor came out and basically just said hey let me tell you what you guys just experienced and shared context and scripture and we moved on and we had church and uh, that happened in that service. They had multiple services. It didn't happen in the other services. And I went home, I thought, well, that was really kind of different than what I had experienced in the fact that the pastor got up and just immediately did a small teaching on it. Well, months later, uh, we were in service there again. That's where we went to church and there was another tongue given where the person began to speak in tongues and the pastor got up and, and stopped it. And he, uh, he said, I know this is going to probably embarrass you. um, And he said, but the responsibility of, of uh, being sensitive to whether it's God or whether it's man really falls on the pastor. And right now I'm sorry, but I just really feel like you're operating out of your flesh, which in front of 3,500 people was like, dude, like you're calling this person out. And, uh, uh, he, then when, when he, when that was done, he, he shared the scripture and really laid context and was like, he said, he said, if I don't do that, he said, then, then everybody in here, uh, is not being, you know, led well. And he said, "I, I really feel like that, you know, this was out of place and didn't give us a whole lot of reason why just that, uh, his discernment was that it wasn't right. And uh, for years after that, never heard, you know, another tongues and interpretation, but I thought it was handled really, uh, really well uh, to be in a place where with so many people in a church that uh, really wasn't focusing on that for it to happen the way that it did. So, I don't
2: know. Right on. I would love to echo some of that too, because the the scriptures end up saying that... Uh, where Paul says that when a man speaks in tongues, surely no one understands what he says. Mm-hmm. He's uttering mysteries with his spirit, and he's, and he's speaking to God. But when it comes to prophecy, I do think, uh, I was speaking with a couple of friends of mine uh, the other day. I think we get kind of bogged down in, in details, in, because you, you referenced it some, because what the scriptures also say is that prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So if you want to give a prophetic word, ask God and then just run it through those three filters. It's, it's simply we have to learn how to see people the way God sees people. You've you got to look for the gold and the good in a person. It's not, they're, not, they're not maybe hard-headed. They're determined. It's, you got to see it the way it works in, in the kingdom and, and run it through. So And when God gives you this thing, just ask, is it edifying? Is it exhorting and is it comforting? And if it is, you should probably share it and give it to that person because it—I think it's the the Spirit of God uh, encouraging you. And that, for personally for me, has been really helpful. I had somebody share it to me that way, and I just found it yeah to be incredibly uh, just. It, it opened my mind up to that. So, um, and speaking of tongues. Um, There's a question in here that's uh is is cursing really a sin? Or is it more of a cultural or cosmetic thing, as it's worded?
1: Uh so I I guess I'll go ahead and take this one. Um I I always come back to scripture, right? And so um so so part of it is like you have to understand what is culturally cursing, because you know I can use the word, word booger and you think that I'm talking about something that came out of my nose. Uh, but in another country, that's a swear word, right? And so so part of that is is intent. Um, however, scripture does say to not let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. And back to this idea of edification that Dylan was just talking about. Is it edifying somebody for you to drop an F-bomb? No. Flat out, no. I, I think that you know if you are trying to build other people up, then you are mindful of your language and that that is the kind of thing that that shows your commitment to glorify God and to edify those around you. And Scripture is very clear, to so not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Uh, Quinn, if you want to find that verse, I i, I think that was... Ephesians NIV. 4, I believe. Ephesians 4? Yeah. Oh, Ephesians 4.29, look at that. All right, cool. Ephesians 4.29, not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only that and, for
2: which is good of the...
1: Yeah. The edification up, of the mm-hmm. saints, I believe, is is how it's at least. And then
2: the another translation place says, that I memorized: like, what is it? Seasoned with sorrow, with grace, or I forget it
0: now. But
1: yeah, you got anything to add to that, Jim?
0: She knows it a bit. Yeah, I. It, you know, uh, he, he's talking about intent here, and uh, I, I, I'll add this: is uh, unfortunately, especially, I think in uh, in our culture. Uh, we pull intent based on what offends us and, uh, that's a, that's a poor way to create intent. Uh, you know, the intent of what you mean should be whether or not, uh, it is offensive to somebody else. And so, uh, you know, I grew up, uh, uh, in, in in my house, there were certain words that we used, uh, that were not offensive. And as a kid, I, I heard them and I said them and they weren't, they weren't, uh, inappropriate. Uh, and, 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 my, and my mom and dad were, were church going. So they weren't like, you know, the types of words you're thinking of. I'm still not going to say them right now. Uh, but when I started dating Carmen and I was at the house one day and, uh, just to give you some perspective, I was talking about being upset and I, I used a, a different word for being upset and uh that had not been inappropriate in my house that was you know you would have thought i had done something really bad using that that word and so i stopped using that word uh, it was it was the you know my my intention in that moment that that time was that uh had no no offense to it i didn't mean to offend anybody but as soon as i knew that it offended somebody Um, I could no longer claim that my intent was pure and my motives were okay because I knew that it was offensive to somebody. And so, uh, you know, I I stopped using that word, uh, especially in those circles. You know, it really got to where it was, it just became less and less a part of my daily language for that reason. Uh, You know, Paul also uh, talks... uh, about like the, 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 manner in which we talk, the subject matter, uh, you know, coarse crude talking, uh, is, is, you know, it's not acceptable. Uh, and so, you know, guys that will sit around and, and flippantly talk about sex or, uh, you know, make jokes about intimacy. Uh, those are, those are lines that are just being crossed. Paul says they don't, they don't glory God. They don't glorify God. Uh, and so uh, sometimes culturally we can become a little bit numb to that, but we need to be refreshed and reminded that if we're walking in right relationship with God, he cares about what comes out of our mouths. Uh, we have a lot of scripture that talks about the, the, the way that we manage our words and, uh, in the book of James, it talks about you know what man can control his tongue. Like it's a it's like it's a a, a a wild beast that needs to be tamed and controlled, and it's not an easy thing. And I don't know why, I don't know why, but we live in a culture that. Uh, desperately wants to justify their actions, but I'll tell you that, you know, and I say that in, in just like, Hey, I I can say this and it's whatever, but you, you do not find that in the church around the world. Uh, When I'm in Mexico, when I'm in Kenya, uh, my friends that are in other nations, they do not find people in the church sitting there going, yeah, it's not that big of a thing. They believe it's a big thing, but for whatever reason in America, We have a lot of people in the church who believe that the language isn't that big of a thing, and I do believe that Scripture's, you know, pretty clear that it is. So words do change. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. Um, uh, uh, My uh, father-in-law has a friend whose last name is Cooley, and uh, he uh, uh, was on a mission trip and introduced himself and. That word was a the the most inappropriate racial slur in that country, and so people instantly when he said it thought that he was you know trying to create racial tension and so they had to change they had, they had to change his last name uh, so every time he's in that country, he goes by a different last name just for the sake of what why offend people? Why offend one person if your testimony is what connects somebody to God, why would you not care? And that's that's the way I feel.
1: I think with, with a lot of these questions so far, it really comes back to your testimony and glorifying God. And it's, it's really about what, what are you personally willing to sacrifice? What, what you might view as a liberty, are you willing to sacrifice so that God can be glorified and that others can be won to Christ?
0: Yeah.
2: Right on. So we're talking about, to a certain extent, people getting triggered. Um, or or offended, or someone who has had uh, an offense brought against them, which ends up bringing uh this idea of restoration or perhaps even justice um and that's one of the things that is brought up in here so uh one of the questions uh is justice is one of the most frequent topics uh mentioned in scripture we see some of this with the prophets and things like that, but uh they interested in why we might think that um, the voices in the church, uh, whether it's leaders or not leaders, uh, honestly seem to be sort of polarized. Uh, They feel perhaps that uh, when it comes to issues of social or systemic justice, uh, pastors are either very quiet about the issue or they're very uh, perhaps combative about the issue and so I guess uh what do we think about justice or social justice and
0: I guess this the stance that the church is taking on it currently so it's this is a this is a this is a difficult question in the sense of you know if when the question is why does the church take a stand I can't answer that uh I can't be inside of the minds of every person that claims to be a pastor um, and I don't think that that's the intent of the question but I just I want to clarify that I, I don't know why uh, different churches can take different stances on things I can tell you that uh, uh, you know what what my view on justice and you know uh, even you know I guess pulling in some of the ideas of like social justice as a as a phrase are uh, but uh, I really don't know why it is that one church will take a stand, really, you know, in favor of uh, uh, bringing justice to a situation where another will stand against it. Uh, uh, so, on the on the topic of justice, uh, I, I I personally uh, am a very soft hearted. So uh, if you spend uh, much time around me you'll you'll know that about me uh, i I get pretty tender when people are suffering and hurting uh, and I want to help uh, I want to help with when when there is a need presented that I'm able to help uh, I've also lived long enough now to Uh, and so I'm 40, uh, I've lived enough to be able to see, um, justices exploited by people who claim to be, uh, you know, for fighting for justice. Uh, I've seen people, uh, raise money, uh, to help quote unquote victims and not use it. Uh, I've seen, uh, uh, justice moments created that didn't exist, uh, where, you know, a need was presented that was that was a false need. Uh, so I will say that from the pulpit, I'm probably a little bit slower to get up and just be like, hey, we need to run and handle this situation immediately uh, than maybe just somebody who's on Facebook um, uh, as an individual because... I feel the responsibility of making sure that uh, what we're doing is something that's legitimate and that we can legitimately navigate. Uh, can
1: I jump in yeah. real, real quick here, Jim? So so you specifically mentioned this idea of like somebody who's jumping on Facebook. And I think part of the reason that, that we feel like church leaders are not as vocal as mm-hmm. they should be about social justice is because I, I think, honestly, the smart move is to not talk about this stuff on social media because it's not beneficial.
2: Keyboard warriors. But, yeah. So, so I warriors. mean, it's,
1: it's this idea of, like, I'm going to change the world by angrily sharing my opinion on social media. And, and the church simply doesn't do that, at least most churches that, that I'm familiar with, because it's not actually beneficial. Like, if we want to make change, if we want to have a conversation that can make change, then, then let's take action. Let's not just use words. Um and that's not necessarily something that is is really gonna happen on social media because if if we're honest, I know that my Facebook feed I don't really even pay attention to. You know, I don't I don't go there to be informed. I don't go there to really understand, you know, the, the social issues. So why do I think that I can make a difference by posting something there? And I'm sorry if, if that offends anybody, that's that's how I feel personally. But I feel like, you know, if 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 we are in a position where God is leading us to, to address a social issue, then that's something that probably is not going to be as outspoken as a lot of people, because we're, we're not going to just be talking about it on social media. We're, we're going to be actually acting. You know, for example, Kicks for Kenya, right? right? I mean, we did post about that on social media, but I would wager that most people who aren't part of City Church have no idea what Kicks for Kenya is about.
0: Right. And that was something that we vetted. We knew there was a need. We went to represent that need. I'll say this too. And, and this probably just to help you guys, uh, have some perspective just in general, you know, when you want to talk about why from the pulpit is this or that shared or not shared. Uh, my daughter, Caitlin, uh, is 13 and just, just, uh, a little over a week ago, we were in the kitchen and we were uh, working on a project together and, uh, uh, I got an email that, uh, she had closed her Pinterest account and, uh, and I, I, uh, monitor my, my kids, uh, emails and I just, uh, want to make sure that they're in a safe place. Uh, but I did not know she had done this. And, uh, so I was like, Hey, why, why did you do that? And she said, well, I had seen a news headline where, uh, uh, somebody from within Pinterest, uh, said that, uh, a, uh, uh, they were categorizing pro-life groups as pornography to block them from having a voice, and I, I don't know the whole backstory on this. I'm not trying to get up here and, and vet the story for you, uh, but for her at 13, she was. She said, I, "You know, I I I will not have my voice silenced," and uh, she said, "I have a voice too, and it's not just other people." And so. She said that on her own accord, she just was like, I'm not going to support them. And so she closed out her uh, Pinterest account. And I was really proud of her. And so just taking a stand on something she believed in. And she said, uh, uh, we were talking about it. And she was like, Dave, why do you, why, you know, she said, you know, you're really passionate about stuff. I see the passion in you. I see you fighting for people, helping people why do you not get up on Sunday and say all those things and, 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 and and pour your heart out that way? And, uh, I told her, I said, you know, uh, the world we live in is a, a very wicked one. And, uh, everything that I do that goes online is there forever. And so, uh, I not only have to be careful what I say as a pastor, I have to be careful what I say as a dad. And, uh, I have to make sure that the things that I'm saying line up with the word of God, and I have to make sure, I have to weigh the risk of how it'll impact the rest of your life. Because what we're seeing right now in the world around us is we're seeing people's lives being destroyed, their careers being destroyed because of what their parents have said uh, and what's on YouTube. And if it doesn't fit a certain narrative uh, or a certain ideology it's unacceptable and so therefore the child is no good either and I'm not going to cower away from the word of God but I'm also not going to just jump into every fist fight that presents itself uh and, and I'm going to be a little bit more calculated and well let me back up I'm not going to jump into every fist fight in front of a camera you know what I'm saying but if there's a fist fight I might jump into it no I'm just kidding I'm just That's kidding okay, no. I'm just kidding I, I might um uh I'm very passionate about, about these things. And when, uh, there was a group called invisible children, uh, back maybe, uh, 15 years ago that went over to Uganda and they began this, uh, they had a video, uh, that they showed of, uh, children who at night would come into the city and sleep basically like in these, like, uh, uh, sewer basements to hide from, uh, uh, the, uh, militia groups that would come in during the night and, uh, steal the children and turn them into children soldiers. And, uh, to me, that's kind of the first social movement that I can really put my finger on, uh, where, where the word was spreading, videos were being shared. It was online, uh, and they would go around and share these things, and they used the church really as a catalyst for this. And so multiple times, even all the way through uh, the launch of City Church, we had Invisible Children come, share videos, talk about what was happening in Uganda, and uh, that approach has uh, become uh, very popular minus the bringing it into the church. Uh, and you know, now there is a thousand needs that are known or a million needs that are known or whatever. And they're all pushed through social media. Uh, so, uh, the problem is, is that a lot of those are anti-church they're against God. And so it's really difficult. So like, I would argue this, show me a child who's hurting and suffering and I feel obligated to go and help that child. Right. Um, I also want to know how that child got there. I also want to know, who is responsible for this. Uh, it's, it's not enough to just go and help the child. Uh, that's not justice. Uh, and then we have a responsibility to look at what got that child in that position and, and, and begin to be a part of what are really big boy answers is what I would call them, uh, in helping to be a part of legislation, uh, using our votes in a way that make a difference uh, to help make sure that, for instance, in Uganda, that uh, you know we have people, senators, congressmen who will fight to help the Ugandan government, which is what happened, uh, to pull together the resources that were needed to send uh, the, the army or the militia leaders, you know, running and hiding. Joseph, uh, I forget what his name was. Uh, Joseph, I can't think. Coney. Yeah, that was it. You know, and they got that guy out in the woods hiding for his life, you know, they've got uh people that, you know, he's 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 one of the most wanted people in the world. I, I don't know that he ever has been found, but his terror has come to an end and uh the United States played a big role in that. Not an not the only role, but we played a big role in that and the church played a big role in it because we helped raise money in our local churches to help fund uh the, uh, fight for legislation that would allow us to play a role in it. I, I mean, there's a lot to that, but, uh, I, I would say that, uh, that I, I have a passion for true justice.
1: If I can uh, just kind of yeah. add just a little bit on that is, uh, you know, if you do have this passion for, uh, some kind of social issue for, for, to, for, for, for justice, then I would really encourage you to educate yourself first. Right. Uh, sometimes we kind of do this shooting from the hip reaction where you know, something uh, really stirs us. And it's not bad that something stirs us, but we need to make sure that we're properly informed before we take action. And so first I would say, what does scripture say about it? And then I would say, what are the other resources that are available? I want to make a quick plug for a resource that helped form our methodology with City Church Red, uh, it's called When Helping Hurts. Quinn, can you just look that up, maybe uh, bring up the author? Uh, it's it's a book that uh, talks about the, a different kind of strategy to help those who are living in poverty. And it has really helped inform City Church Red, which is our local uh, mission, really, to, to help those who are in poverty. And so it's a great way to just kind of equip yourself... Uh, For that particular issue, uh, but absolutely do your research, see what scripture says, see what other resources are available so that you can take informed action.
0: Yeah. Those are by
2: Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert. Thanks, Quinn. Uh, That's when helping hurts.
0: Yeah. And and, um, before we go on, I think we'll do one more question before we go on to it. um, I'll just say this again you just because the the church is not posting it on social media and the pastor is not saying it from the platform does not mean the church is not engaged in bringing justice to the world. Uh, it's unfortunate how many pastors get labeled as being, you know, sold out and not willing to stir the pot just because they don't do it from the platform on Sunday morning when they're preaching the gospel. And the truth is, you know, I, uh, a lot of churches, when we start doing the research, are uh, funding and supporting groups even within their own churches that are fighting for justice reform. so I think that there would probably be a lot more churches that do have an opinion uh, than maybe what some would believe that's good, yeah, I think we've got
2: time for one more okay and uh, I think this is a good one uh we keep. Coming back to, and we've even talked to or spoken of how some of this is our, uh, perhaps like our interpretation or our opinion Mm -hmm. um, about these certain topics or questions. And one of the things we keep coming back to is seeing what the scriptures say. So someone asked, with so much scripture that needs to be interpreted,
0: how could it be inerrant? So from the perspective of needs to be interpreted, uh, I think that uh, everything that you read or you consume has to be interpreted. When you pull out the cereal box to look at the nutrition information uh, before you pour a bowl, you're interpreting data. You're looking at, you know, Carbohydrates, sugars, calories—you're looking at protein. You're looking at vitamin intake. You're looking at those things, and then you're going, okay, you know, based on what I'm reading, this is what I understand it to to, to mean. Uh, and so, uh, it's the same when we look at scripture. Uh, and Jesus did not shy from that. He used language like, "You've heard it said, but I say to you." right? And specifically in the instance of helping to create some interpretation. So you've heard it interpreted this way, but let me bring some clarity for you. Uh, the prophecies that are set inside of scripture as well are not intended to, uh, to, to I mean, the scripture says that, that, that they are not intended to give us like some like exact moment when God's going to do what he's going to do They're really to help be guide points to continue pushing us along with our faith. So they help us to be able to identify that things that have happened are uh, actually God things uh, and that God's been at the center of them. Uh, And then as we move forward, it allows us to, by faith, seek him, be in his presence, gain understanding so that our lives can be propelled forward. Uh, and so, uh, the idea of interpretation being, um, uh, I guess like a, a need, uh, is, is that, is that God made it that way for us. Uh, and then let me say this, um, uh, when we look at translations of the scripture and you have different types of translations, uh, uh, and I talk about this from time to time, but you'll have uh, what's called a paraphrased, and that is where somebody sits down uh, who you know believes they have a good understanding of the Word of God, and then they take a, a the sentences and they paraphrase them in a way they think will just make a lot of sense for somebody. And then we have what are word for word interpretations, and this means that the the attempt of the scholars that come together for this they're trying to translate every word as close to being as literal as they can uh and so when we're talking about interpretation of scripture and we're reading through scripture here's what's really important is we have to understand that when we talk about a paraphrase and you know the the message bible uh the amplified uh those are some popular ones Uh, are you are you speaking of just uh for clarity there's I heard
2: at one point as well, so there would be paraphrase, uh, word for word, and then perhaps is meaning for meaning. Would that be maybe included uh, so in be a, the paraphrase, or is that something that st- that outside of meaning two? for
0: meaning? Would still be a a, a type of paraphrase, uh-huh. um, and that's actually, uh, if I remember correctly, that's NIV is actually meaning for meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when we talk about like interpreting scripture, we have to be able to understand that when we're talking about a paraphrase, we're talking about somebody who has come and made their best interpretation off of the meanings of the text. And, uh, then when we come to meaning for meaning, we have to understand that we're kind of getting, a, a in between and then we go word for word. Uh, and so, uh, this is why on Sunday morning we teach from the ESV uh, and the I, idea there is that we're trying to get as close to being as literal as we can be, still being at an um, uh, understanding or a, a reading level that the general population can interpret. <sighs> when you talk about those texts, okay, so King James, ESV, um, American Standard, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of them that, that attempt that. The the difference in those texts and then going back to the oldest transcripts that we've got, uh, manuscripts, uh, we're talking about a less than 1% difference. This is uh, a literary impossibility. Uh, and I keep wanting to put together a video. I keep telling Quinn, we need to put a video together on this uh, to put out there. But the the standard that is used to, to decide from scholars on whether or not a literary work is considered to be whole uh, uh, allows for you know, I think like 30% difference or something. I can't remember off the top of my head, except for when it comes to the Bible. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why scholars create a double standard, uh, but you'll, you'll find that uh, there'll be less than 100 uh, copies of a thousand-year-old text that will have massive amounts of differences in their translations, and that will be accepted. But you'll have thousands of copies of, uh, manuscripts of the Old Testament that have less than 1% difference. And, and you'll have scholars that will still try to argue that, you know, it can't be accepted. So, uh, our goal is not to try to, uh, fight for the authenticity of the scripture, but it's to understand the scripture. And some of it is just really, really simple. And some of it, uh, we need some context to be able to pull it together. So, uh, interpretation is what draws us in and allows us to go deeper. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I, will just use this quick analogy. Uh, if you are, you know, if your, you know, favorite show is SpongeBob, you know, how many times do you watch an episode of SpongeBob to get to the meaning, right? You don't, you watch one episode and you move on to the next one. And maybe you're quoting a couple of lines about chocolate you know uh uh spongebob is open to interpretation i think yeah that's that's selling chocolates that's yeah right uh that's my 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 point is uh that nobody's like going digging deeper and deeper and deeper because it kind of on the surface just makes sense the genius that god has of giving us the scripture is that we keep coming back to it the entirety of our lives and find new revelation Right. We go back to the same scriptures that we were at, you know, as children. And all of a sudden, God's showing us something new. So interpretation and revelation go hand in hand. And I think that's a part of God's design.
1: I think that the part of the way we do that is by continually reading the scriptures, Uh, because, you know, if you read it once and you've settled on your interpretation and and that's that, then I, I don't honestly think that you're digging deep enough. Because, uh, you know, Jesus uses scripture. He gives us the example. Jesus uses scripture to help interpret scripture. He says the events that are happening right now are these things that were prophesied. You know, and he helps us to see the New Testament from the framework of the Old Testament. And so Jesus studied the scriptures a ton. And, and you know, we, we have the same responsibility. If, if we want to truly understand God's word, then we need to use the scriptures to interpret the scriptures. And right. uh the, I believe, because this has happened for me and I, I'm sure it's happened for you, Pastor Jim, that the more you read it, the more you get out of it. And something that you read a year ago, you read again today, and and you just see another uh layer of of meaning
0: there. Um yeah. So Ka Kayla's making a good point, and that is uh one of the ways that God preserves his word is by making the entirety of the word uh uh Contingent on the entirety of the word, and so when you look at uh, a text like uh, uh, the Quran, uh, which I'm I'm not a, a scholar in in all things Quran-based, uh, uh, I do know that when you have uh, that there's there will be a, there's a number of things that are contradicting uh in the writings and they use a uh principle that's whatever was the last thing that was said is the thing that presides the previous and so you know if something is said you know that you know every day you should wear a red shirt and it says then a little bit later every day you should wear a red shirt but then the last thing that said is you should wear a blue shirt then your responsibility is to wear a blue shirt whatever's the last thing that's said and when we look at the uh the Christian Bible Uh, uh, we gain understanding on how to interpret revelations because we have Daniel. And we look at how to interpret uh, Jesus' baptism by uh, John uh, at the river because we have uh, 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 Isaiah. And so because we are able to pull back and forth, we're able to find harmony in everything that's said. And so a lot of times somebody will go, oh, well, look, here's this little contradiction. But the truth is that if we look at Genesis to Revelation and we go into the entirety of it, we go, oh, that's actually not a contradiction. And here's why it's not a contradiction. So uh, if it weren't for our need to be in it, we would not have the, the, that full grasp.
1: And I would love for somebody to uh just dig into that if there is, you know, a a contradiction or something that you think you've found, dig into it and see what you can find out, and then we can have a conversation about it. Uh because I, I think that, you know, scripture always uh will make things uh if, if you're looking at all of it in context, all of it in its entirety, it will make things come together.
2: Yeah. Cool. I loved uh you talking about coming back to the scriptures. This is something that I'm going through as I do uh, the one-year Bible reading plan as I'm reading through and revisiting uh, passages that I had either read when I was a child or even over the years that I just haven't taken the time to get into in the Old Testament. There are things that are, uh, the Spirit of God comes in and just reveals something so new. And I heard a pastor one time say, and I forget who it was, or I would tell you um, that you could know God for like a billion years and you wouldn't even have scratched the surface of the new things that God has. And it's, it really is amazing what can happen to us if we really will be washed by the word and let ourselves be molded by the scriptures uh, as we follow Jesus. So um, I think we're out of time.
0: Right. So um, let me check. Uh, we did have some other questions uh, that came in. <laughs> uh, we I think we ended up consolidating down to 14 questions. And so uh, we uh, will, Caleb and I were talking about it, and m- maybe we'll uh, attempt in the next couple of weeks to get into the studio and try to go through some of those questions, and we'll let you guys know when we, you know, if we're able to do that, when we post that. If we're not able to do that, we may hold off and uh, move some of those questions into the, uh, Uh, our next uh, live podcast. Sure. And and as always, if you have questions that really, you know, you want answers to, uh, we're available for coffee. Uh, Our entire staff is, uh, you know, uh, Dylan talked a little bit earlier about, you know, uh, the fact that we, you know, we don't all land in the same spot at the same time. And that's what uh, I I champion at city church is that we're able to have some diversity of thought. We use the language, open-handed, closed-handed, uh, we are a Christ-following church. We believe that Jesus was uh, uh, born of the Virgin Mary. We believe that he was crucified, resurrected, and he's soon returning. Uh, those are things that, that, uh, that, that we hold to be true. Uh, how we interpret scripture and how we relate with the world and how we bring in our past, uh, our ancestry, all of that, that's going to create some diversity in how we uh, walk it out.